And I think that's the downfall of all cultures is that we do judge people. We do. By how they speak, the car they drive, the house they live in. The way they like to dress. The colour of their skin, the way they like to dress. This podcast series leverages the beauty and richness of culture, diversity, and highlights the many stories that make up Western Sydney. We want to break through the stereotypes of what it means to be Australian and celebrate the strengths and uniqueness of our vibrant, thriving community. This is Same Same Different. This is Western Sydney. Share your journey. Tell your story. Speak your mind. Find your voice. Welcome, Natural Turk. Thank you for taking your time to visit us today and for being involved in our new storytelling venture. How are you today? I'm very well. Thank you for the invite. We just wanted to get to know you a bit today, so maybe tell us a bit about yourself. My life goes back to when I was a young girl. I was born and raised in Australia, and in kindergarten on year one, I get asked the question, where are you from? Mm. Interestingly. And I used to say Campsie, because that's how I was raised. Then I became a teenager and went overseas. And I got asked, where are you from? And I went, Australia. Years later, I'm still being asked the question, where are you from? And I'm from Lebanon. Yes. So the question, where am I from? It actually got me thinking about my life. You know, who am I? Just an Australian girl, brought up in a Middle Eastern family. Parents never worked. From the suburbs. Can you talk me through the child you? What did being Australian mean to you growing up and how did that differ from your family, the way they acted or felt or expected from you? Very good question. Growing up, being Australian, I didn't see myself as being Australian, to be honest with you, because the culture in our home was so strong. My parents migrated to Australia back in the early 60s and to them, family was a very high priority. It was their highest value. And they talked about the culture And no different to the Indigenous, the stories were passed down, how to behave, how to engage with people. So it's interesting that I I never considered myself to be Australian. I I considered myself to be Lebanese. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until later in life that I started realising there's the difference between the two. And once I immersed myself in the Australian culture, in the workplace, working, studying, and that's when my identity actually began to surface because for decades I was actually caught between the two worlds, the bicultural, but the, definitely the Middle Eastern side was the number one most definitely. dominant. Sometimes it clashes, doesn't it? So how did the culture and religion impact your finding an identity within your community, family and society? Well, I feel very blessed to have had the upbringing that I've had. Because of the Arabic culture... It is all about community. Yes. It's all about religion. You know, religion is a compass for many people. How do you live your life? What is right? What is wrong? So having that as a foundation, two parents that loved us, you know, worked very hard to provide for us. My mother was a stay-at-home mum. And I think that's what shaped who I am. And it's all about the community. We had literally... Dozens of families come from overseas and we hosted them. So my mother was cooking, taking them to the doctor, helping them with language. And growing up and watching what she did for the community, I take a lot of pride in who I am based on that community aspect of my world. So you mentioned that your parents never really worked and your mum was a stay-at-home mother. What impact did that have on your choice of careers? Oh, I'm going to correct you there. 
My dad worked oh. six and a half days a week. Oh, he did sorry. work. My mother was stay home. So dad did work. He was a mechanic, a tradie, used his hands. He couldn't provide us an education. Mm-hmm. He provided us with, you know, a stable home environment. And he instilled the value of education. So we went out and got educated. But my mother could not in any way support us because she couldn't read and write English. She did not even attend parent-teacher interviews because in her mind, you only go to school if the child is in trouble. And so this is a cultural difference. People don't realise that education or the teachers in education have an authority. So when the parents send their children to school, then their job is done and the teachers then take on that responsibility. Little did she realise that in Australia, it's a very individualistic society and it's all about empowering yourself. What impact did that have on your choice of careers today? It's interesting. No different in many families out there, whether it's Asian, Middle Eastern, African, all cultures, most cultures value education. And most cultures that value education also want you to have that high status position of being a doctor, oh, solicitor, <laughs> lawyer, engineer, possibly a dentist, maybe not even a dentist. It's interesting that I had to find a way to thrive to achieve their goal. That wasn't my goal. My goal was education, just to do my best. But their goal was for me to be the best. Yeah. And it's very difficult to be the best when there are no perfect role models in our community at the time. So now would you tell us more about the adult you? Is there something in your life that made you want to follow this passion or a way of thinking perhaps? I struggled through the younger me Mm -hmm. having a bicultural identity. I so loved culture and I do love family, but there were lots of things about the culture that I didn't like. For example, my business was community's business. Yeah. You get that, Sarah. I get that, I get that. Family wanted, you know, they take pride in what you do, the job that you do, what you're studying. That's an Australian culture to be private. It's an individual thing. And so there's a lot of things that we clashed. So as growing up, I realised I couldn't be Lebanese anymore. Oh, that's fair. How's I that? needed to be more Australian or actually more my own identity. So yeah. I chose the best in the Australian way of life and I chose the best from the Middle Eastern way of life and I slapped them together and I've got me. That's amazing. Things that I don't like, I don't engage in. That's fair. And things that I do like, I promote. Yeah. But what's important in all this is that I have choice, Yeah. I have a voice, and I have control. That's the most important. Yeah. yeah, and that's why I love where I am at the moment because that evolved. Who I am today wasn't shaped. Yeah. I evolved because I watched my external world, looked at my inner world, I said, well, how can I make this different and how can it be a win-win? So I went on the path of education and I don't know whether you've heard this quote, if you educate a man, you educate one person. Mm. If you educate a woman, you educate a family, community, tribe and nation. I've actually never heard that, but that's really interesting. Yeah, so as a mother of three daughters, Mm. that was a turning point for me. I heard the quote and I I need to really step up and I need to help make a future for my children and I need to go against culture in certain areas, kept the values, kept the respect, but I needed to shape my children's world to have them integrate 
in both worlds. Definitely. Can you share a situation that has occurred in your life that you feel provides insight as to your character? There's been many, 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 many situations. But the one that comes to mind is the one that most recent. So the past five years, I attended a conference. And as you do, you meet people and you smile, introduce yourself. And you create a little bit of a bond, you know, and you start to feel comfortable with people around you. This particular day, I walked into the room. I was five minutes late and I was already being paired up with another lady. Sure. And I was a bit surprised at her reaction. So oh. I looked at her and she had fear in her eyes. Oh, no. And she actually looked a little bit scared. And I thought, oh, it's not a good thing. No. And I asked her, are you okay? Thinking that she maybe was there and she had some personal issues. Sure. Or maybe she'd had a bad experience on the way in, but she definitely didn't look comfortable. And she took one look at me and said, I'm so sorry. And as she spoke, her bottom lip began to quiver. And then she broke down and cried. And she said, I'm so sorry, but I hate you. I hate you because who you are. You're a Muslim and I'm afraid of you. Oh, wow. That must be. And that. That, I think that was a really, it's a defining moment in my life. So I realised at that point that what's going on globally in the news and the media truly impacts on people's lives. Definitely. And as a person, I'm not one to be afraid of. On the contrary, I'm a giver and a pleaser and a loving individual. And I always thought that when you're in a situation outside your family environment, that you go out of your way to make people feel comfortable. Yeah. It really upset me that I made her feel uncomfortable. It was quite a bit of a shock. And as that was the turning point, and as an adult, I seriously believe that I had a position of influence to make a difference. That's lovely. I'm so sorry you had to go through that, but it sounds like you took the best out of that situation. Absolutely. And, you know, I said, Marie, after I got to know her name, would you like to sit down with me during our break and I'm going to give you permission to ask me any question you'd like to ask. Nothing's out of bound. And it's, oh, oh, that would be so nice. So the break came. Mm-hmm. And remember, we were sitting together. Yeah. So we stood up together and we walked out of the room together. Sure. I looked over her shoulder and there was this tall, stoky man walking behind her. And I leaned over and said, Marie, we don't need a bodyguard. Oh, my God. She said, he's my husband. Oh, no. He hates Muslims more than me. Oh, no. Oh, my God. (laughs) So we sat down and I made sure, Sarah, I made sure that where we sat was in a public space. So we sat for coffee and it was exhilarating to hear the questions that she was asking, questions about why do you wear that fabric on your head? Mm -hmm. Why do you cover your face? Why are you all terrorists? Why, why, why? And, yeah, we, mind you, the break was only half hour. Yeah. We went on way past half an hour and they were both relieved. Her name is Marie. She's a woman of Jewish background. Okay. She tells me she's a hairdresser. She has lots of clients. And when she went back to work the next week and she told people that she'd met a Muslim woman who was absolutely lovely, they thought that she'd lost her nuts. Oh, no. <laughs> they said, are you sure? Something's not right here. Her and I are great friends on social media. I love that. And uh, she's personally had you know, a bit of a health issue and I've been supporting her and we're best of friends and something that was so negative 
has turned into something so positive. But it's a lesson to all of us that we do judge, we stereotype, we box people, whether they're young or they're old, whether they have a disability, whether it's religious difference, LGBTI, the fact that people question why somebody claimed to be homosexual or transgender. And I think society has done that to us. Society has some way manipulated our minds to see difference as being a bad thing. Yeah, I agree. But in fact, difference is a good thing. Could you imagine, Sarah, 23 million people looking the same <laughs> That'd be so in Australia? Boring. So multicultural Australia, I think we're pioneering in this space. I seriously believe that putting differences aside, yeah. we're doing a very good job. We are. And, you know, testimony to that is the results I've got here. And if it's okay with you, I'd like to share them. Go ahead. I don't know if you heard of the Scanlon survey, the Scanlon Foundation. They did a survey only last year. And they've noticed a massive shift in attitudes over the last few years. Oh. And they've said 82% agree the immigrants improve Australian society by bringing in new ideas and new culture. Oh, that's really wonderful to That is, 82%. Yeah. That's great. If it was on a mark out of 100, if it was a class mark, I'd be very pleased with 82%. Yeah. But that's a consensus across Australia. Mm-hmm. And 80% agree the immigrants are good for the Australian economy. And I think that is a positive. The negative, though, on the downside, 64% agree that migrants should change their behaviour to be more like Australians. Oh. Now, to be more like Australian, I get this question all the time, what does it mean to be Australian? Do you have an answer? I do. I'll come back to that. And then 65% of Australians should do more. So 65% of Australians should do more to learn about ethnic customs and cultures of migrants. So really what it sounds like that we should both really be learning about each other's cultures and embracing You've nailed it, Sarah. You've nailed it. Full marks, sweetheart. (laughs) So we don't want the them and us attitude. Definitely. You know, where are you from? Is not really to put people in boxes, but really to ask where you're from. Is it actually a good thing? Because you want to know more about the similarities or more about their differences so you can engage. Only this past weekend, I was at an African festival dinner night and it was an amazing night. It's very multicultural. The majority were African, representing 22 countries in Africa. As you know, Africa is not a country. It's a continent. And the person I was sitting at our table, Father Jerry Nawari, wrote a book on cultural values. And I wanted to share quickly with you what he wrote in his book. And we all know what values are. Values are something that you consider to be important. But he says that human beings hold on to them as a moral guide in determining right behaviour from wrong ones. And that's really what it's all about. So is it Australian way of life or is it Australian values? That's really interesting. Growing up in a Middle Eastern family, my values are no different to Australian values. Of course. Because some of the values that we all share is security. We value tradition, money, independence, benevolence, honesty, fairness. And this is really important. When I sat down with Marie and we spoke, and she said, but you're the same as me. Of course, Marie. What's different is what's on the outside. Yeah. I wear a scarf. I choose to wear a hijab. I'm a woman, a middle-aged woman. Yeah. I wear glasses, so I look different. But my upbringing, how is it any different if we're looking at the values? Yeah. But it's our behaviour 
that then reflects whether or not we're living those values. Because values determine an acceptable way of acting in a given society. So what's going on in the news going around the world is unacceptable by my standard, by any standard, any human standard. And it's all about seeing our commonality because we are same, same, then different. Yes. Got that spot on. If that's the lens that you look at. Mm -hmm. And if some choose to see different, different, which is actually a good thing. Yeah. Because difference is about uniqueness. And what I pride myself on is being unique. So in the diversity and inclusion space, I actually help people deal with difference. That's really cool. Because they think, okay, they can't see the sameness. Yeah. They see difference, whether it's age, gender, LGBTI, ethnicity, religion. We see difference. Yeah. It's important to learn how to deal with that difference and be okay with it, really. Yeah, and it's okay not to be okay. Of course. However, we need to stop and reflect because if we're looking at other people's behavior or their visual and we're not okay about it then we need to question ourselves. yeah so it's about judgment so when we judge we don't judge but we exercise judgment and i think that's the downfall of all cultures is that we do judge people we do by how they speak the car they drive the house they live in the way they like to dress the color of their skin the way they like to dress So we judge. We're quick to judge. This is a social problem because we're living in a materialistic world too. It's not helping. But if we can exercise judgment, so wait a minute, and this is what Marie did. She exercised judgment and said, wait, why am I judging Najla based on what's going on on the other side of the world? Why not have a conversation with her? But she didn't encourage the conversation. I invited her to have a conversation. So... When we are happy and comfortable with who we are as the person and we reflect on ourselves, then we can understand others better. So we can live with others harmoniously. We can work with others and build better relationships, build better connections. But the journey is about self first. Definitely. And I only, I've only just achieved that because I've spent my entire life decades looking at the outer world but the journey starts in the inner world it's building your identity knowing who you are and accepting who you are as a person and if you can't accept yourself how are you going to accept other people around you you're right yeah so it's about self-awareness self-acceptance it's about confidence it's about loving yourself as well so this human being that lives by his or her values these values have different levels definitely where my father valued a job a high paying job that wasn't my value my value was in education so it's slightly different they're not right or wrong they're just different so as people that share values we need to understand that our values differ and I share this example all the time in the workplace We expect that our staff work to a particular level and we want them to perform and produce. So it's about productivity and performance. That's all well and good. But what's behind that person that's working for you? If they value family, then you need to expect that they're not going to be working for you on the weekend if their kids are off school. And if they value money, 
then they may do the night shifts for you and work extra hours. So we don't know what we don't know. So it's about engaging with the other person and understanding that they are different. And so their values will differ. And we talked about values of respect. And I think that's the downfall of all cultures is that we do judge people. We do. By how they speak, the car they drive, the house they live in. The way they like to dress. The colour of their skin, the way they like to dress. Security. And we value tradition. But also there's different values come at different stages. So where my value for security may be four or five living in Australia, in developing countries, the value for security would be their top. Of course. Number one's value. And this is what we need to understand in Western Sydney, that, yes, we are a multicultural society. Yes, we have people representing all cultures and religions and ethnicities, traditions, backgrounds, abilities and sexual orientation. That's what makes it so interesting. But everybody is unique and they're an individual. So we accept who we are to be able to accept people around us, to accept others. And we also need to ensure that we make a commitment to contributing to the well-being of other people. So we're not just ourselves, an individual. We are part of the larger community. Yeah. And the larger community is our family, it's our workplace, it's the local community, and it's also our country. And if people start to see through this lens of I am a contributor to this country, we do have an affiliation, we have a connection to our country, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we live in the land, we abide by the rules, we accept that we have a democratic society, We have freedom of choice. And how beautiful is that? Very beautiful. Thank you, Natasha, for that insight. Talk to us about what you do in empowering and developing CULD's individuals for education and employment. It's a very good question. Earlier I talked about the different values, that my parents valued employment. My father also valued education. But in my role as an educator in the classroom, I found that not everybody values education. Yeah. And it's harder, actually, to teach somebody who's not motivated to learn. Definitely. Because that's my value. Yeah. So I have a class of 20 students and they're not interested in learning. And once I've understood that, that they come from different backgrounds and they have a different priority in their life, priority could be to work. It's my role then to instill and inspire them to want to learn. Because as you know, the world is changing. Today is a different world to where it was 10 years ago. It's definitely Even is. very, very different to where it was a year ago. Yeah. And there's been talks that the next 20 years, the rate of change will be faster than the last 20,000 years. Definitely. Can you imagine that? We're living in a fast-changing society. Obviously, the advent of technology. Definitely. And with globalisation, that we're now our country overseas has become our neighbour. Yeah. So the world is large. It's actually getting smaller. Yeah. But this large world is really tight. We need to learn. So it's all very good for people to say, you know, this is who I am and you're an individual in your own right, but you are one of a community. Yeah. So there's an obligation to learn. So it's education is important. And secondly, you need to give back to the Definitely. economy, society. So you need to be working. Yeah. And there's no handouts. 
Well, if you're getting a handout, you know, I think it's very important that we start thinking about where we want to be. So I'm very passionate about education. I've been in the education system for close to 25 years. Long time. Yeah, very long time. And I encourage education, but people need to learn how to learn because we've forgotten how to learn. And interestingly, learning doesn't happen in the classroom. That's right. Learning happens every day. Happens everywhere. Everywhere, outside the classroom. And so when I'm speaking to people about diversity and inclusion, the very first step about education and employment is to be learning about yourself. Definitely. So that's the journey that I'm on. We're raising awareness that people need to learn more about themselves and about their identity in order to understand others. Definitely. And when you understand yourself and you understand others, that is a skill in itself. Yeah. Then you are able to communicate your needs, your issues, your barriers to others. Yeah. And so when you hit the workplace, whether it's casual, part-time, full-time, whether it's a low-level job or a senior job, you are articulating who you are what the barriers are. I'll give you an example. There was one young man, I'll never forget his name, it's Mozart. And I met Mozart going back in the TAFE system and I encouraged him to enrol in TAFE to do a certificate one entry-level computer course. Okay. He couldn't see the value of education because there were so many issues at home. Yeah. He was a refugee, he needed some money, his father was not well, they had nowhere to live. I understand that. If we understand Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs, food, water is your basic need. Then we have a place to live, our shelter. Then comes love and education. And I understood that, but I wanted to guide him. Yeah. He did enrol in my low-level computer course, and from there he just grew. After years he was working for a top IT organisation. So what I'm sharing here is... A lot of people don't know where to start. They don't know what they don't know. We've been in Australia for a while and we understand the systems and we understand the benefits of education and employment. Then it's our responsibility to help and assist others. Definitely. So language barrier, of course, I understand. It can prevent you from learning and it can prevent you from working. But you need to self-initiate. You need to find a way to learn because the mind is powerful and you will learn the language regardless of how old you are. You're right. You know, people say, oh, you know, but I'm 50, I can't learn English. You may not want to learn English, but your brain will pick it up. Sometimes people just need a little push to sort of go on the right path. That's right. And that's our obligation. As human beings, as a community, our obligation is to extend ourselves to support other people and to help them be on track, to help them find education, the level of education, and to pursue a pathway that's going to get them a great job. Because as our population is retiring and ageing, we need a huge intake into the workplace. So there's lots and lots of opportunities there. Fortunately, when people of ethnic background do end up landing a fantastic job, they're not able to create that social cohesion in the workplace because they talk about, oh, but I'm different. Or they don't understand that I want Friday off to go to prayers. Or I need extra support because of my writing skills. So I left the job. What I'm saying is don't leave the job. Talk to those around you. Share with them your struggles. 
the barriers that you have. Exhibit, show them that you're interested in growing and learning. Definitely. And if you know who you are, then just treat everybody as another person that's no different to yourself. So if you understand that you have pain, expect that other people have pain. Yeah. And when you have issues, others are going to have issues. And when you judge, others are going to be judging. Yeah. So if we think of same, same, different in the workplace, then we're going to be able to get along with everybody regardless of their background, regardless of their age and their you know, personal sexual orientation. That's right. Okay? So there should not be any conflict in the workplace. We should be supporting one another. And there shouldn't be racism. Racism is just a term. Now, whether it exists and whether it doesn't exist, I'm not going down that path, but why use that banner and hold the card that says this is racism? Break down. Break down. Keep breaking things down to get to the human level. And when we understand that people are no different to ourselves, that we are human beings at the end of the day, so much potential for growth. I think the most important part is communication, as you said. As they say, communication is key. And once we use that, we can break down those barriers and, you know, all get along, really. Yeah. So, so I could put a question to you, Sarah. Uh, sure. Have you had any time when you've had to break down the barrier and express who you are as the person? I would think growing up, definitely. I actually wasn't born here. I came here kind of 10 years ago. So growing up overseas and then coming here and also seeing how different it is, but at the same time, it's still the same. And being surrounded by so many family, it felt like very similar to how I was growing up overseas. But then when I go to school, it felt so different. And there was that difference to, oh, overseas is so family oriented, but here it's just about you and the individual. And it's so hard to maintain that, like me being me and doing what I want to do when you have to think about, oh, what does my family want though? Because that's what they expect from you. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, it does. And I'm glad you shared what you just shared because that was my personal journey growing yeah. up. It's called being trapped in a bicultural world. Definitely. There's two yeah. cultures. But it's not just two cultures. We're talking about an individualistic way of life. Yeah. And then we're talking about a collective way of life. So the collective is the community. We can't have one or the other. We can't. And that's what I want to stress to the audience. You can't be an individual without connecting with a human being. You won't survive. We need an attachment. We, we need do. connection. That's why social media is rife. It feeds, that it nurtures us as a being. But at the same time, we need to be part of a community. Yeah. So I can actually say my success as a person, as a mother, as an employee, as a leader, is bringing the two worlds together. It's knowing the balance between being a person who has voice, yeah. choice and control, because we are in Australia and this is a democratic society. Yeah. And we need to empower our women and empower everybody to stand up and be heard, especially if you have a disability. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with having a disability. There's no shame. There should not be any blame. There should not be any stigma around disability. It's all about the individual. And our obligation is to meet their needs. Definitely. So we have an individual that fits in to a community. And if that community is your workplace, then you should be embraced as being different, just as you would embrace others. If your community happens to be your family, then you may actually be a different person around your family. Yeah. It's okay. Now, whether they want you to do things that they expect you to do, 
as a young adult, you have choice and you need to have communication and dialogue with your family to say, this is not what I want. Yeah. I understand you're doing law and yes. communication. They may want you to be a doctor. No. <laughs> you know, how good, you know, what kind of a doctor are you going to be if it's something that you're not passionate about? Because we're always about the value and value is what we follow and we live. And that's what inspires me to wake up every morning knowing that I'm adding value to people's lives by interacting because we're all the same. That's wonderful. That's embodying the human aspect of who we are as people and that we're all one. That's wonderful. Thank you for that. Can you talk to us about diversity and inclusion? What does this mean in today's society versus your childhood experiences? Yeah, I think we touched on that, but I can keep going on and on and on and on. Diversity is about difference. Yeah. And difference is fantastic. We're not going to achieve inclusion unless we accept the difference. Right. Yeah? Yeah. In the workplace, they have diverse and inclusion policies. They said, oh, you know, we should be working together. Oh, that's fantastic. We should be working together. But in actual fact, it's very, very hard. It's so hard. And it's very hard. All the lawyers are busy yeah. because of discrimination cases yeah. and racism and harassment. We can't work on inclusion until we look at diversity. Right. Let's understand difference. So I encourage people, you know, organisations and community to find out who is your makeup of your team. Where are they from? Yeah, what the age group? What is similar? What's different about them? How can we serve them? An example I'd like to give you is at one time I was working with a group of people who wanted to go out for Christmas and I said, I, you know, I was more than happy to be part of the group yeah. to join them. It was end of year, celebration, it's a holiday, leading up to the holiday. But I didn't realise they were going to organise in a pub where there's alcohol it just is very inappropriate for a Muslim woman of my age wearing hijab to be walking into a pub to have a meal at the back or to even have a meeting. And when they serve food that's not halal or that's not catering for non-meat eaters, then that's not inclusion. We can't consider inclusion until we look at the diverse people. What do they eat? What don't they eat? Somebody with a disability has a wheelchair. There's no point booking a venue yeah. on the first floor of a hotel or of a venue and they have a wheelchair. So we need to consider who we have, hearing impairment, um, age difference, you know, even sensitivity to music, to noise, where locations, the venue. And we need to have the conversation. Only last week I was speaking to somebody from a council and I asked them, oh, I love Anna Marie. What's her background? And her Manager said, I don't know her background. How long has Anna Marie been working for you? Two years. Oh. And in two years, you haven't? He said, no, I didn't like to ask. Now, that's the difference between ethnic people of ethnic background and Australians, the Western community, is the West do not like to ask questions Yeah, because they feel culturally it's inappropriate. But in ethnic backgrounds... They don't mind asking you questions like, yeah. where are you from? How long have you been in Australia? Yeah. What's your job? We need to find the middle ground. Yeah. yeah. And we need to understand one another by understanding the culture and the cultural differences. Don't have to understand all cultures, but by learning, we talked about do more to learn about ethnic customs and cultures of the migrants. Yeah, think of that. Do you think we are getting it right in Western Sydney? Could society be doing more? Can society be doing more? Always. Yeah. Because we're talking about growth, we're talking about 
evolving as a society. The world is changing. Society is changing. Organisations are changing. We are always in flux. Yeah. So when you're in flux, you need to change. A lot of people aren't comfortable with change, but unfortunately they've been forced to change because of the environment and situations around us at the moment. Is Western Sydney getting it right? Absolutely. They're addressing an issue. They're looking at multiculturalism. They're addressing the facts, what's working, what's not working. And they're engaging different strategies to bring people together. So bringing people together from different backgrounds is a good thing. Can we do more? Always. Always. What do you believe are the barriers still existing around racism and inclusion? I think we touched on this. Yeah, we keep going around this. I think fear. Fear is a powerful word. I don't like using it. But it's really not knowing. It's the fear of the unknown. So it's very difficult to fear a person. Yeah. We fear the culture. We fear what we know, the stereotype. We don't fear the person. Marie's case, she feared the person. Because? Because of the stereotype. Yeah. Can you describe a time when you have faced a challenge and then perhaps shifted your attitude from experience? Yeah, always. I'll give an example. I'm not very proud of this example, Mm. but I'll give it to you anyhow because it's the one that just popped up into my head. I was on the train travelling into the CBD and I took one look. Actually, before I even looked, my nose told me there was a foul smell in the carriage. And when I looked, I saw a drunken man opposite me. holding his wine bottle and he reeked of alcohol and reeked of urine and instantly my brain set off the yeah I'm gonna put him in a box of an alcoholic he's an old man he's a derelict you know good for nothing that's instantly what my brain said then he tried to get up to get off the station and he struggled and I looked around me and nobody wanted to help So I stood up and leaned forward and I held him by the arm to take him off at the station. He lost his balance and he flopped back on the chair. And he looked at me and his eyes made contact with my eyes. And he said to me, you're a good woman. And at that point, I realised that I had judged him. I would stereotyped him. And I said, and you're a good man. That's lovely. Yeah. But he went on and what he said next really changed my life. He said to me, you know who I am? And I said, no, I don't. Tell me, who are you? And he said, I used to be a paramedic. Oh. And my wife died and my son died. Oh, no. And now I'm lonely. That so impacted on my life. First and foremost, I was ashamed that I even judged him. And I stood up to help him. But those words are profound words. Yeah. He's another human being who has contributed to our world, has contributed to our workplace, to our workforce. He's helped people in life-threatening situations. And he's an individual who is unique. Yeah. And all he needed at that point was to feel a sense of community, sense of a sense of belonging. Yeah. So for whatever reason... He's become an alcoholic. And I just feel that we need to start shifting our focus, shifting attitudes, and that, that was my experience. And I've since changed. I always challenge my thought process. That's, that's always important. It's very important. The first thing is to challenge what yeah. your thought's saying. 
and I see the beauty of the individual. So when I see the person as being unique and if they don't see themselves as being unique, then I help them self-identify that they are a contributor to our economy but also to our society and everyone has a positive contribution to make. We just need to put our guard down, start trusting, start loving, start being compassionate and just reconnect with who we are because at the end of the day, yeah, we're the same. We're all the same. Same, same, different. Same. I would like to touch on who your personal heroes are for the last question for today. Oh, I like this question. No, I do like that question. Whilst living in my community, my heroes obviously my mother and my father. Yeah. I'm shocked who I am. My children, my husband. That's in my personal world. But my heroes that I hold in high regard because I've now stepped out of my small circle and I'm playing a bigger game. This is more a global message yeah. that we're same, same, different. I can honestly say that Robert Salisbury, mm-hmm. he resides in Singapore. He's an international presenter. I attended a meeting once and it was interesting. At the end of the meeting, he pulled me aside. He said, so what's your message? I said, message? I don't have a message. Yeah. So we got talking and he's been very inspirational and he's allowed me to think bigger than myself. So I think truly globally. And he's been very instrumental in my journey. As being somebody from outside Australia mm-hmm. who visits and presents. Then we've got Jennifer Leone. Jennifer's Italian. Oh. And she's impacted on my life being Italian because she understands it. She gets culture and she's a woman of influence. Mm-hmm. And as a woman, I strive to be a better person and I aspire to be like Jennifer, if not better. But then there's Marcy. Marcy is a Christian lady. Again, she's helped me see religion. It's not being different, Christian and Muslim, but being the same. Yeah. It's about the values. It's about human interaction. It's about loving one another as beings. So she's been very instrumental. Then there's George. George from the gay community. I've learned a lot from George and he's actually opened my eyes about the LGBTI community. And, you know, I can honestly say that I used to judge because mm-hmm. I didn't understand. And I think ignorance is very dangerous. Yes. But having conversation with George, and you know, he's also helped me expand my horizons. And then there's Doug. Doug's 100% profoundly deaf. How do you talk to someone who's deaf? That's very hard, yeah. But he's in a position of influence where he's in education. He drives a car, he's studied two degrees, talks to anyone and everyone using sign language and reading your lips. Okay. And he's been yeah, very inspirational in my personal growth. So when I look at diversity, these are diverse people in my life. And if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be where I am today. People from outside Australia, different backgrounds, ages, abilities, sexual orientation, And it's this interaction that I've had with people outside my community that's allowed me to be the person I am. I continue to grow. It's about acceptance. And I'm committed, committed to making a legacy and keeping, you know, my imprint on the planet Earth is making a difference. And if everybody looked within and they saw the beauty they have on the inside Mm -hmm. and they're just one person that's going to contribute to the big mosaic 
that we have on planet Earth, then, yeah, I'm quite excited. Thank you for the opportunity to share my story. Thank you so much for being here and thank you for sharing your lovely stories with us. To find out more, visit wsmrc.org.au forward slash S-A-M-E. Hey, Hashi, did you know that this podcast is actually funded by the Multicultural New South Wales? No, I did not know. But did you know? I just found out. (laughs) Did you also know that Audio Technica has funded much of this podcast as well? No, I did not. Thank you so much for letting me know. Yes, and thank you, Audio Technica and Multicultural New South Wales, for helping us bring the stories of the Western Sydney to the world.